Hey folks, we are gonna do something a little different these next few weeks, and I am super excited about it. Over the spring of 2022, the ministry of Woven dove into a Bible study on discipleship. We looked at what does it mean to be a disciple and what does it mean to disciple others. And in an effort to bring this conversation, which we think is so important to the broader audience of the podcast, we're gonna spend the next four weeks looking at those questions. Let's dive in. So bear with me a minute because I am a teacher by trade and I've always been somewhat of a grammar geek. So let's look at the word disciple. It is both a noun and a verb. As a noun, which is, remember, if you think back to fourth grade, a person, place, or thing. As a noun, the word disciple tells our identity as a Christian. As a verb, which is an action word, it gives our job description. What are we to do when we become a disciple of Christ? It tells how we are to spend our days. Recently, our family had the privilege of going on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Now, it was a place that my husband and I had gotten to work and live for five years, but our family hadn't been back in almost eight years. And so we had just a blast on this trip. But before we went, I remember my husband saying to our kids and to another family that we were going with, he said that this trip is not about results, but it's about exposure. It's about exposure to a new way of life. It's about exposure to a different culture, exposure to how God is working in another country around the world. It's about exposure even to uncomfortable situations that you wouldn't naturally just put yourself in. And I want to say the same thing to you, that the next four weeks, this focus on discipleship is not about results, but about exposure exposure to Christ, but more importantly, exposure to discipleship through the person of Jesus Christ, because he is the one who's the ultimate example of what it looks like to be a disciple and to disciple others. I want us to think of this series as learning addition in kindergarten. It is by no means comprehensive, but it is foundational. I want to build a culture of discipleship into the fiber of the ministry woven. And I hope it's something that you'll see is such an integral part that we need to be building into the culture of our families, into the culture of our churches, and into just the way that we operate and think about our day-to-day life. Now, I have observed over the last couple years that there's a tendency for ministries to kind of go to some different places Sometimes they can become really insular and cliquish and and just kind of exclusive and only looking out for and aware of the needs of their own people. Sometimes they can drift to the other end and maybe um, become so social and outward focused that they almost are aimless and and don't have a direction or a, a purpose. And so as a ministry, I want us to come back to our mission statement. Our mission statement at Woven is to equip women to study the Bible and to cultivate meaningful relationships. And the Bible is so crucial in this theme of discipleship because it is exactly what equips us to give Jesus away. We want to do just that, folks. We want to soak Jesus up and give him away. So the purpose of this mini-series is not to make us feel guilty for what we aren't doing, 
but to make us aware of our greatest calling. So over these next four weeks, we are going to be focusing on the book of Matthew. This book was written by the tax collector who was not a popular character because he sold out his own people to the enemy. He worked for the Romans. He wrote to a Jewish audience proving that Christ fulfilled the Old Testament. Each week of these podcasts is going to have an overall theme. The theme for this week is to be a lifelong learner. Now, this series places a lot more emphasis on the Word of God speaking for itself. And my hope and my prayer is that as you listen, that this series would push you to read and study and dive into the Word of God more at home with your people and your family. I would even ask you to consider taking on the challenge of reading the book of Matthew over the next month. There are 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. And what a great way to put into practice reading the Bible on a daily basis than to read one chapter a day in the book of Matthew. Today, we are going to be looking at a passage from Matthew 4. So just a little Bible background lesson. The Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi, written about 450 years before Christ was born. And during this time of waiting It seemed to the people, the Jewish nation, that God was silent in a sense that he had forgotten about them. And yet the New Testament begins with the book of Matthew and the announcement of the birth of Christ. Matthew is just one of four books known as the Gospels. When we use that term, the Gospels, we're referring to the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are firsthand firsthand accounts of men who walked with Jesus and they tell the good news. The term gospel refers to the good news of Christ and the message of salvation that he brings. What's so neat about this particular passage that we're going to look at is that it appears in three different passages in the Bible. In Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22, where we'll be today, in Mark 1, 16 through 20, and in Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. John doesn't include this exact same account, but he has a similar moment that he records in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, where he tells a little bit about their first encounter with this rabbi known as Jesus. Now, what's interesting is that if I asked a handful of you listening to come together and to meet at a restaurant tonight and to just spend a couple hours visiting, is that You would likely attest to similar experiences, but over the course of the night, you would have had different side conversations. You would have looked at people from different angles, maybe sat at a unique place around the table or entered the restaurant from different doors, and maybe even heard and highlighted different points. Some of you maybe even have enjoyed it, and some of you maybe didn't at all. So even though there would be some similarities, there would likely be some very different accounts or things that you would each take away from the night. What sets the Bible apart is that it is beautifully consistent. We can read these different accounts from these different men, and in a sense, we get to see different angles of the same event. The Bible confirms itself as truth because it agrees with itself. We get to see different angles and different authors bring out different points, but the writing of each distinct person's correlate. 
And what's even cooler is that the Holy Spirit works to bring unity between all the accounts. So let's read right now Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Sometimes we can approach scripture and just immediately ask, what does this have for me? Which is really kind of a self-centered approach. But I think one of the best things that we can do when we approach the scripture is to just ask ourselves, what do I observe when I read this passage? What do we see? It seems like a pretty cut and dry account, but let's look a little bit closer. One of the first things that I observe is that Christ initiates. Christ initiates. We observe throughout Matthew that the language of Christ is not forceful, but inviting. God in Christ initiates everything. God is the source of life, the creator of all, the author of redemption. Let's take a look for a second at Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17, which talks about he, speaking of Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him, Christ All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Folks, wherever you are, take a deep breath. Christ has called you to this place of being a disciple. He has called you into this process. It is in him that all things hold together, not me, not you. In Christ, all things hold together. Let's take such great comfort in that. Notice in this passage in Matthew that Christ called and initiated, but he never forced anyone to follow him. He never forced anyone. And that leads to the second big observation in this passage in Matthew 4. The disciples respond. The disciples respond. We see in both verses 20 and verse 22, the word immediately is used. There is a leaving that had to take place. The disciples could not continue their old work and fully embrace this new work he was calling them into. The text that I alluded to earlier in John verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, these verses show that they had been around Christ, but this was their first direct invite from this rabbi. And when we look at the context, we see that these men are not threatened, but they are willingly responding to an invitation. The third thing I see here is that a process is implied. A process is implied. The verbs in Matthew 4, verse 19, are follow and will make. Follow is what he says to the disciples, these men. He says, follow me. 
This word follow is not a one-time event, but an ongoing daily commitment. These men would begin to walk alongside of and behind Jesus step by step, day by day, week by week for the rest of their lives. And then the next few verbs we see are will make, will make. And this is actually a promise that Christ makes to them. He declares it's what he will do for them over time. Think back again to Colossians 1 verses 15 through 17 that we read. Remember, we read that it is Christ in God who made them and he will continue making them into who he has called them to be. These men will have the privilege of observing and learning and experiencing Christ firsthand. These men will have the privilege of observing and learning from and watching Christ up close. And it is Christ who will equip them for this calling. Finally, what I see in this passage is that their new work will be infinitely more valuable. These men are fishermen by trade. They leave Zebedee. We see James and John, the sons of Zebedee, are obviously following in the family business. It's what they know. They're hardworking, poor to middle-class men who know really not much else of other other jobs or we don't really know, but they likely haven't had much training in another field. And yet they are doing good work of providing for their families. I love that Christ doesn't use language that is unfamiliar to them. He doesn't say, follow me and I will teach you how to disciple others, which really wouldn't have meant very much to them. Instead, what Christ does is he speaks their language. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers, which they know a lot about. But then he adds in this twist and says, of men. And what's interesting about the Greek here is that before they were catching fish to kill, but now they are catching men for life. Their work just became infinitely more valuable. Folks, would we not just be passive consumers, but active learners who engage others in the truth we are learning and the inner transformation taking place in us? Remember this, Christ is initiating all of this. We get to respond to Christ's call to be disciples. A process is implied and Christ is committed to it. He wants to make our work infinitely more valuable. To find show notes for this and past episodes, or to engage on a deeper level, you can go to wovenministry.com slash podcast. If you enjoy what you hear so far, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
It helps listeners find and share this feed. If you'd like to tell us what you enjoyed about this podcast or ask your hard question, you can call us at 512-815-2446. That's 512-815-2446. You'll simply leave a voicemail with what's on your mind, and we might just include your voice on a future episode. Music and editing for the show is by Callan Brown. Recording and production by Tim Scarborough. I'm Whitney Scarborough, and we'll be back here with more very soon. Thanks for listening.